this where cool guys come to talk about Terminator? That and, you know, pandemics and things. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, they're both apocalyptic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting great. But we, we want to talk about your book, man. I loved it. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. Uh, it's, it's relevant to uh, probably a lot of people right now. I, I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it so much. Thank you. Yeah, I, and you know what? I'm just going to take one second here because I'm, I'm in, I was in such a, a fluster and a hurry. I was about four minutes late to get into this that I'm just going to slide over to my bookshelf and I'm going to grab my copy of it because there's a, probably a few things I'm going to leave through and just kind of, I, I don't, like you asked me if we were going to have any questions and I, I'm probably not going to ask any questions because I, I, I read through it and a lot of the ideas you had were like echoing what was going on in my mind while I was watching some of these Terminator movies. And wow. so I'm not even going to ask any questions. I, I, I just probably am just going to bounce a bunch of stuff off you like a spaz and, and just have you talk about Terminator, <laughs> if that's okay. Sure, sure. All right, all right. Give me about two seconds here. You guys uh, just carry on. I'll be right back. I didn't really, when I watched the first couple of movies, of course, I was a you know, teenager and there was no deep thinking involved. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, it was a robot that killed people. That was good enough. Right. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that it was talking that there was any theme of uh, talking about our relationship to technology at all. Of course, that skipped right over my head. <laughs> I think a lot of people have, have said that to me. So um, you're not alone that, that you can view it as just a fun action movie, or you can really dive deep into it and, and analyze a lot everything about it and, um, and, and really get a lot of meaning from it. And, and meaning that is, kind of a timeless message that it, it uh, was relevant in, in the mid eighties and, and still is today with, with all of our interactions with technology. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch the first one again. It's been a while. I've watched the second one multiple times. Uh, the first time I watched the second one, my son was, I think he was four months old and at the last minute the babysitter canceled. And I'm ashamed to say I took him to the theater with me. <laughs> uh, let's just say he didn't like it. <laughs> and there was a huge hailstorm the same day so we it hailed hard there was like two inches of snow on the ground basically we went to the theater watched the movie and i was blown away so i had to go back again the next week without a baby <laughs> um you know by today's parenting standards that's a really bad move but you know that's all right i i think that's a you know you're you're teaching them young to that's to right like, to like the classic action films <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if we mentioned the title of, we, have we mentioned the title of your book yet, Dave? No. So, so this is a, what the book we're talking about is Dave's book here, and it's called Will It Be Back? The Rise and Fall of Terminator. And uh, so you, you wrote this book, and, and uh, the first thing that really jumped out at me was, uh, I think, in the first chapter here. So you and I went back a little bit uh, over email before we, we jumped into the podcast here. And one of the things I mentioned to you is that, when I first saw Terminator, I was nine years old. And, uh, and that was just shortly after it had come out. And I didn't really revisit Terminator uh, until I was maybe in my 20s or something like that. And so I was looking at this movie with a really, I don't know, I, I'd say to, to me being in my, a guy in my 40s right now, it, it's, uh, you, you've obviously watched this movie or have, or have seen it later than me because you picked up on a whole bunch of stuff here and it came across in the first chapter that I never, I never even would have thought of. And one of those things was like how the first movie was using uh, some of the technology that was available at the time in the 80s, i.e. the Walkman, the answering machine, uh, the pager, uh, all that stuff to just kind of reflect how people got distracted by the things that they had in their pocket, and the things that were coming up in technology or the things that were available at the time. And it, I just, I never, never thought about that. I thought this was so insightful. I don't want to ruin the book for anyone, but, but, but this is, uh, I, I think I just did. I'm sorry, man. I, I just really got excited about that. <laughs> no, that's in the first chapter. No, it doesn't ruin it at all. <laughs> but, but I thought that was a really great idea. And that was a really insightful, really insightful thing. And it made me just want to go back and dive right back into this movie and see where all these other examples of this are. I thought that was really great. So I, I, I don't know, like, I'm just going to talk up your book here. I'm just going to be your, uh, your, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, booster club. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, that, I think that's one of the most rewarding parts of writing this book is, is, uh, fans of either fans of Terminator or, or people that have seen Terminator and haven't seen it in a while. And they, and, and reading this book, they want to go back and watch it again. Um, 
to some degree that, that was true with the James Bond book as well that I wrote that people uh, read that and said they wanted to go back and watch the Bond movies. That, that excited me hearing people say that and also hearing what you say that people are now seeing it in a different way, that they're seeing the, the meaning that James Cameron intended you to see. And there's a lot of those moments where it's it, like a certain, a little thing where uh, the psychologist in the middle of Terminator and where Kyle Reese is explaining to him um, the, uh, the, his story, how he, how he came to be in the, in the present 1984 and, he looks down at his pager and it's, it's another example of a, a character being distracted by the technology around him. And he ends up not believing Reese's story. He's not even listening to Reese's story. And it's such a small, tiny moment that I think that was actually the last, the last thing that I um, was kind of a last addition to the book. And I was watching the movie again and I, I saw that. I was like, Oh, that's another example of a, of a distraction. He's, he does the same thing. He gets paged, the the Dr. Silberman does when he's walking out of the the building when the the Terminator comes in and he doesn't see the machine that's been described to him for the last half hour. Um, so it really is a powerful uh, has powerful meaning about uh, people's human humanity's interactions and their relationship with with modern technology. And this was modern technology forty years ago. Yeah, it was a it was a great pickup, and it's something I it's something that I never would have thought of. And and as soon as I you you really hooked me in with your first chapter because, like, if you can tell me something uh, that I I don't know and you and of a movie I've seen I don't know I don't probably a dozen times, man, you really impressed me here. So I'm really I'm, like I mean there's there's a few more instances in in your book. Uh, I just like got to ask before we move on any farther. Has anyone else besides me here had a pager? Because I got to tell you, they're one of the silliest inventions we've ever had. I, uh, I looked like a drug dealer. I was walking around with a mullet with a pager on my belt, you know, cowboy boots. Uh, I don't know. They're just, there's something about pagers that is, there was no way to get a hold of anybody back then. So, so it was a unique thing at the time. So the, the purpose of the pager, right, is, is to, you're, you're basically sending them a text message to call, call me. Yeah. A number would show up on the pager. Like you'd right. look, it would go beep, beep, beep. You'd look down at it. There'd be the person's phone number and maybe the name. I can't remember. I don't think usually you got a name. You just got a phone the, number and you're like, yeah, Oh, the, somebody the called ones, me. I got to go, got to go find a uh, pay phone and phone these people back. <laughs> Pagers are not anything like anything we have now. And they were like a status now. symbol more than anything. Like we didn't need pagers. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I've never had a pager. My my experience with pagers probably through Terminator and Die Hard Two, and doesn't uh, doesn't Tom Hanks's character in Castaway have a pager? That's that's my experience with pagers. I think he might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like a they were a status thing. The first cell phones were the same way. You didn't need one, right? You just got one because you could get one. Right. And they were they were totally a distraction. They were they were an unnecessary distraction that we bought into because we were trying to be cool. That's, you know, because I wasn't using it for work. It'd be different if I was a doctor or a, you know, a psychologist or psychiatrist or something, but you know, I was just a, a dude with a mullet and a pager. <laughs> <laughs> My dad did have one. He was a, he was a maintenance guy at a mall and he was, he'd have to be on call. So if something like a sewer oh, okay. backed up or a boiler quit, they'd page him and he'd have to go and drive in and fix something. Right. So I, I skipped the pager and I went right to the, plasma rifle in the 40 watt range <laughs> that was uh, that was my first dive into technology but they took it away from me right away they said you can't have that mm. rightfully so <laughs> it's not even been invented yet you can't have one <laughs> but um uh, a couple things i don't know tim if you had something that you wanted to just jump into here i could go all day so uh, oh go for it well the the other thing is is uh uh, I don't. I don't want to dive too much into the content of, your, of the book without you know without you kind of. So I, I figure we maybe we could just just discuss some of the high points and low points of the Terminator stuff, and we could kind of walk through those and get your thoughts. Yeah, sure. Um, and so some of them will be in the book, and and then maybe you could just talk about those, and and I won't have to. But um, another part that kind of caught my attention was kind of like uh, you had the same kind of violent reaction to Terminator Three that I had. No, I wouldn't say violent, but just kind of uh, just a your your initial blase thoughts on it. Blase would be the blase would yeah, be my yeah. reaction. 
Yeah. And we can, and we can, we can talk about, so we can talk about Terminator three, I guess. And, and, um, I, I don't know. I, I walked in, I saw Terminator three, uh, in the, in the theater when it came mm-hmm. out and, and every fiber of my being didn't want to pay for the ticket, didn't want to sit down in the movie theater and didn't want to watch this movie because in the back of my mind, I had it in my head was that Terminator two, they stopped the event from happening. And right. for this movie to exist, you have to sell me a whole bill of goods in order for me to even buy that this is even worth watching because I liked the last movie so much that you're telling me that it was all worth nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and that's really been the problem ever since the, since the end of Terminator 2, that every new movie that comes out, Judgment Day is back and they haven't been mm-hmm. able to come up with a different plot line um to continue the series and and it does render i think one of the i I forget who it was but one of the journalists that i quoted in the last chapter says it renders meaningless uh the previous movie and he he used that phrase describing something else in the series not judgment day and and um bringing it back um time and time again but it's the same the same idea that every time we bring back a, a new movie and, and they stop Judgment Day or prevent it, whatever. And uh, we, again, we come back with a, another, another movie that where the main characters have to stop Judgment Day. Uh, it, um, so I, I get, getting to Terminator 3, I was 13, 12, I guess 12 when, when that movie came out and it was the first Terminator movie I got to see in theaters. So it was a special event to me when it came out, but every time I watch it now, it seems to get a little worse. Um, and I, I think that's, a, you know, as movies age, that, that really t- is a big indicator for me and how, how great of a movie it was or how good is it? Is it continuing to get better every time you watch it or is it getting worse with age? And that's one of the movies to me that yeah. it's, it's worse with age, especially the way the uh, Arnold's character, he makes a lot of jokes and and it makes the movie a little bit more entertaining, but it it really gets away from the, the concept of Terminator being a, a, a slasher type movie or a horror being a, a a segment of uh, the horror genre. I I had a chapter about that, the original being a a slasher film and and having huge influence from uh, Halloween and and Nightmare on Elm Street and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and a couple other, you know, those those slasher films, uh, horror movies. Terminator 3 is the beginning of break away from that and we're really kind of poking fun at the first movie and a little bit second movie as well because the Arnold character, the T-800, becomes a, a joke on itself that it's no longer a unstoppable force. It's, it's now this uh, ongoing joke about uh, um, you know, Arnold being a, a, corny, uh, a, a corny character. So um, it, it, that got, I think that gets old watching, watching Terminator 3 again today. I find myself, I, I've watched it maybe three times total. And each time I'm, I'm wanting to just watch the action scenes <laughs> and I'm not, I'm right. not, uh, I'm not willing to go past uh, the point where they get to the, you know, to the, to the bunker at that point, I'm done with the movie. It's uh, it's over for me because the action scenes, all the good action scenes are gone at that point. And that, that really shows right. me that it's got no, uh, it's got no intelligence behind it to me in a way. If all yeah. I want to do is watch the smashing and the blowing up and the, right. you know, and the, and the truck crashing scene and, and that's all I'm interested in, then. It, it doesn't have much substance, like, yeah. like you said, other than, other than the action. Uh, it's it's yeah. entertaining, but it doesn't have the same level of, of meaning that the first two uh, films have. And um, I, I, I started off criticizing Arnold's character in Terminator 3. I think the, John Connor is really what bothered me the most from the film. We, we've been waiting to see John Connor be a hero, right? And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the film, I'm going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen Terminator 3, he just he stumbles upon his destiny, that he just happens to be in the right place at the right time, in the right bunker, and he has the remote control to the microphone, and that's why he's the leader of the human resistance. Uh, that, that was a pretty big letdown. Yeah, and the one day he picked to stop drinking, you know? 
<laughs> no, I had uh, I had kind of a funny reaction to this movie too, and and uh, also I'm, what I, I remember sitting through and and watching the whole movie and just kind of enjoying the action scenes like 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 you said tim uh my wife and i still talk about the mayhem in that scene where they're driving the uh uh the tx is driving that that uh crane down the street with the oh yeah there's with the boom out the side and just wrecking everything it's an amazing scene the the truck scenes are are like some of the best in the terminator movies um and i i made it through i'm gonna say about 80 percent of this movie and i had about 50 percent enjoyment of it and then I, I got to the last part and, and the last part where they did the pump fake with the bunker and they got into the thing and they actually had judgment day take place. I was like, okay, okay. I'll, I can, I can, I guess if you guys are going to extend the franchise, this is that filler movie and man, am I ever looking forward to what comes next? Because I thought what they were going to do is pretty much what they did do with salvation was move into the future a little bit, show the machine war and everything like that. Yeah. And, I feel like we're glossing over Terminator 2, but it's such a good movie that we don't have to spend any time talking about it. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> but we could come back. We're going to have to jump back to Terminator 2 maybe and just kind of go over the stuff that we loved. But the next movie with Terminator Salvation, I was pumped for this movie. I was just pumped to go see this movie. I, I went, we went opening day and uh, I'd seen the trailers. I saw the Nine Inch Nails. I still remember the Nine Inch Nails uh, trailer that they'd cut together that showed all the crazy stuff. And at this point now I'm reserved to the fact that I'm going to see bigger and crazier machines every time I go see this Terminator franchise and right. you're getting the giant transformer thing hauling people out of the cages and you're getting the motorbike machine and uh, you got big lunky Terminators with no skin on some with rubber skin and you know there was enough meat and potatoes there to uh, to hit me with something that I liked. So I was pretty excited to go see this movie thought they'd move past the point of the the whole rehashing the judgment day thing found a decent way to a clunky way to make it work that I would be interested enough to go watch the next movie. And then we got to the end of this movie and I just didn't know what to do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't know what to do because it was, it was kind of, uh, I'm a, I'm a big uh, movie news follower. So the whole time that this movie's being made, I'm following along and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ain't It Cool News. Do you remember Ain't It Cool News? It's it's kind of not a big player anymore, but it used to be when this movie was was being made. Do you guys remember this site at all? I don't know. Never, never went there. Well, this was the the place where you you went first. They they got scoops. They got big scoops on movies that were being filmed. And if I'm I might be mistaken on this, but when the whole Christian Bale audio thing, do you guys remember that? It leaked out from this movie. Yes, I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. And that was, that was hurtful. Like that, that really took a punch to the movie. uh, When that happened, like it it took Christian Bale took a big punch, but the movie did too, because it was kind of, I don't know. I don't know why, but it was just bad publicity. But the biggest thing that came out of the ain't it cool site was that they scooped a script from the movie, the original script, which had a massively different ending. And people read the review of the script. They didn't push the whole script out on the thing, but they described it all and and they scooped the ending and they put it out for everyone to kind of digest well before the movie came out. And it caused them to rewrite the ending of the movie to the ending that you see now, uh, which was uh, maybe way less controversial, but by the time that they'd done that, the damage had already been done. And everyone flipped out about it. They reacted to it. And then they made the movie end the way that this one ended, just spe- specifically for that, re- that reason, right? So another instance of technology working against us here, we had the whole internet just kind of <laughs> sucked the end of this movie away. And it really surprised me. And when I first, I didn't, I didn't read the scoop because I didn't want to be spoiled by the movie until after I watched the movie. And then I read the scoop and... I, it it kind of uh, I I was revolted at first, and then I thought about it for a little while, and I went, you know, that would have been kind of cool if they'd have done that, <laughs> but they didn't uh, until the next movie, and they rehashed that plot point again. So I don't know if you guys want if you guys know anything about this or not, but I could. Do you want me to spoil? What, what it is me? the what? What was the ending? What was the original ending in the in so, the, script, the script that was spoiled? So if I, I can't remember the name of. Um, the character was it Marcus 
who's the, yes. uh, okay. Yep. So Marcus is the half human Terminator hybrid guy, right? Uh, yep. the death row inmate or whatever. So at the end of the movie, pretty much everything that you saw up to the point where, uh, uh, Christian Bale fights the T-800. The Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800, he gets stabbed through the heart. Well, in the original script, he's, he, he dies and he's, he's done. And Marcus takes his place. Because if you remember, if you're watching that movie, all throughout that whole movie, whenever John Connor, and it's something they followed through with from the first movie, whenever John Connor is talking and everyone knows John Connor, very few people have actually seen him. He's just a voice on the radio, right? He's going over and, and saying all this stuff on the radio and he's kind of got this... Uh, for a lack of a better term, call following. And they played that through the whole movie so that at the end of the movie, this guy would just be like, John Connor's dead and he just kind of walks into his skin, but he's a half human, you know, Terminator hybrid guy. So that's what everyone flipped out about. And it caused them to write the ending where they just did the heart transplant, which was, I don't know, it just, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, that was an ending. And, and that's, that's the best we got. And I don't know, like you, you think about it um, when you think about this stuff and you think about the chance that they were willing to take with that, if they would have put, just, just laid it out there and maybe took that big chance and made that big leap uh, unfettered by the reaction from the internet, it, it might've been really cool. I kind of feel like everybody bowing to the, to the wishes of the internet is wrecking things because it's happened quite a few times just in the last year period. We won't even go down the Cats road, the Cats movie. But, you know, for instance, they changed the look of uh, of Sonic the Hedgehog recently because of internet backlash. And, you know, it just, it seems out of control. If you're an artist and you're making something, you should just make it. You shouldn't be going, oh, well, I don't think the people are going to like it. <laughs> yeah. um, it. It weakens you. Then you're, you're creative. Uh, I don't know. You're going to make garbage sometimes. That's just the way it is. And people aren't going to like it. You have to take that chance. If there's no consequences, what, what are you doing? And that's the same problem with movie three. There's no, we've removed the consequences from the second movie. You mm -hmm. need consequences. You need to be, you need to be having the ability to just make crap and have it fail. And, uh, you know, regardless of what people are going to warn you about ahead of time or freak out about, uh, you constantly see these articles, you know, everybody's, outraged because you know of the new star wars movie and how it's gonna be but it isn't yet but we're already outraged i don't mm. know i don't care i don't i don't like i don't like the way it's going um they I failed was... at movie three and that's just the way it is yeah. they shouldn't have the opportunity to go back and fix movie three at this point it's it's done it's it's a creation mm -hmm. i i think that kind of the whole um you know end point that that my book makes is that the first two really were innovative and unique and um not that james cameron didn't draw on other movies you know for ideas he, he definitely did but um you know they were um they were original they were they were very very unique and and that is something the series has been lacking the last 20 years there's very little uniqueness in Terminator 3 and, and even though they took the series in a different direction and salvation, it didn't feel uh, different enough or the, the uniqueness it does have is um, I would say uh, lets you down in other ways because of, of other things that happen or you, you don't care enough about the characters. There's just something missing in that film. There's yeah. just, it, it, it's hard to, pin it on just one thing but when you watch it it's just like this is this is just this is okay it's not um oh. I, I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or another and i i guess you would have had a much bigger reaction maybe you would have hated it but at least you would have had a much stronger feeling if they had gone with to that original ending you were talking about yeah yeah it's uh i was just actually I, I was just talking with someone today about, uh, and you mentioned the Star Wars movie in here, the the latest uh, Rise of Skywalker, I think comes up at one point in your book where it's just, and I can't remember, uh, I actually, I wound up finding it here and, and how it was like kind of thrown together. And, and it just seemed like uh, there was a kiss scene in there and it just seemed like it was something that, you know, was just kind of thrown in there oh, to yeah. just to give everyone kind of a touch of the feels when it wasn't really an earned moment. A movie by committee. 
yeah, a movie by committee or, or, or however. And, and we don't know that that's what they did, but uh, we can suspect and we can hypothesize or whatever. But uh, in, in regards to the Terminator here, I, I think that there was a lot of that, you know, w- with these newer movies, it's, it's exactly like you said, they, they, re- when they react to stuff and there's, you know, Hollywood's a business and, and, the, and, and Terminator is a franchise and it's one that they've been trying to poke life into and kickstart because Let's be honest, man. Like, how many people do you know out there when you say, hey, man, do you like Terminator? Everyone's going to be, yeah, I love Terminator. I love Terminator. And they're going to tell you about the Terminator movies that they love. They're going to tell you about Terminator 1. They're going to tell you about Terminator 2. And, yeah. and, uh, and I, I'd even argue that there's a lot of people out there, myself included, that are going to have a lot of good things to say about um, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, uh, mm-hmm. which is, which is uh, a pity because after I read your book, Dave, I went, I, the first thing I did was I went and I, it, it, I hadn't watched uh, Terminator Dark Fate and it's the first Terminator movie I've missed in the theater since Terminator 2. I've seen every movie uh, when it came out since Terminator 2 and that includes Genesis, but I didn't see this one and I kind of regret it because I think this is the Terminator 3 we should have got. And yeah. I don't want to, I feel like we're skipping over Genesis and maybe Genesis, uh, you know, deserves a little talking to, but, uh, but that, but that <laughs> oh, was the thing. some talking to, right? <laughs> but I, but I actually use the, uh, I actually kind of, the, the quote that enters my head is, is, is like you said, Tim, uh, when these movies get made and people are making them uh, by committee or whatever, thinking, well, you know, this is what they're going to like. And, and that's, that's kind of the approach that they're taking. And it, and it seems very safe. And for a, a lot of times there is because they're, they're trying to avoid that risk. The first Terminator movie was incredibly risky. Right. Like that was the, when you, when you look at the story and you touch on that in here, Dave, like, like the, the whole skeleton scene in there, he put it, he put that up himself. It was incredibly risky to do. And he just decided, well, you know, I'm just going to do what I want. And if they don't like it, then they don't like it. And if this is a failure, then it's a failure. He had nothing else to lose. And that's where something great comes from. The, the real kicker is, and the quote that enters my mind when I think about this, is Henry Ford is always saying, well, if I ask people what they wanted when I built the first model, what is it, Model A or whatever, they would have told me they wanted faster horses. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's the dangerous game you play when you're getting all this feedback from people who are fans of the franchise. Like, I would love nothing more than to, I have a vision in my head of where Terminator could go and all the things I could do. But uh, let's be honest here, I'm not uh, Johnny screenwriter or director. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So I, all I can do is sit back and enjoy what people put out there. And you know what? If there's someone who has a great idea about Terminator and they just go out and put it out and I know that that's what they wanted to do originally right from the start, I'd be so, I'd be so happy with that. I'd, I'd just be so happy with that because I think that's better in the end than, than uh, pandering to an audience, which is, I think, what uh, Genesis did. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that, you know, five years later, we're saying that Genesis was pandering to a certain audience because I, I felt like watching that trailer, I just knew I was going to hate that movie. I, there was just something about, I, I guess I saw the, the scenes that were like, they're identical to the scenes in the first Terminator mm-hmm. and they had the T-1000 again. And it was just like, they're trying to remake one of my favorite movies and I'm just not going to go see it. I'm not going to encourage them to continue to make films like this. It's just to make money. It seemed like a money grab and, and a, a safe attempt at a, at trying to make some money. So Genesis was the one that I didn't see. And I probably wouldn't have saw dark fate if it wasn't for the AMC pass. That I told you guys about last mm-hmm. summer that I had, all of last year, don't have it anymore because of the pandemic right now. But uh, being able to see any movie for you know a, a subscription, monthly subscription, of course I'm going to go see the new Terminator movie, and and I'm glad that I was able to because as as you said, Ryan, it is the best Terminator film in my opinion since since uh, Judgment Day. Yeah, easily. And- and uh, it, it, I think it is because it did take those big swings, right? Like the, the big swing that we were talking about, um, they, I think, that, so the big swing that we were talking about the, that I was mentioned for, that was originally meant for Terminator Salvation, they wound up taking twice. They took it once in Genesis where they made John Connor uh, into the bad Terminator guy. Uh, I can't yeah. even remember how that ended. I just want to wipe it from my mind. Oh, something to do with them getting shredded by a field of energy or something. Oh yeah, some something like that is. 
I know, I know Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> got like super awesome in that. He got like an advanced upgrade and it, it kind of made me happy uh, for a second and then it just <laughs> dissolved. But, <laughs> but, and then they took the swing again with John Connor where they wiped him out at the, at the, and I'm, I'm going to, Tim, we were spoiling stuff here. So they wiped him out at the beginning of the, of the, of this movie here. It's the first thing you see is just young John Connor, a kid, and he's done. He's, he's, he's killed instantly in right. the first scene. Yeah, by a, a by a friendly fire, and and man, it took the wind out of me, man. Because uh, they, right away I knew I was going to like the movie as soon as they did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they gave, and you know what? They gave me. I'm I'm not going to say that it's a perfect movie, and and I'm not going to say that all the characters are perfect characters, but man, was it ever watchable? And it it gave me something. It was grounded enough in reality yeah. and stuff that's going on right now that you could kind of like dive in there and and just kind of see some parallels to what's going on out there and. And, and it drew you in because everyone's interested in that story, whether what's, no matter what you think of it, everyone's interested in, in the sudden subject matter that was in there. They gave you a, a character who had enough of a background that you cared about her, which was uh, Mackenzie Davis's character. I can't remember her name. Um, Grace. Grace. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. Um, uh, and you got Sarah Connor. She had a purpose to be the the kick-ass, crazy lunatic Sarah Connor. She lost her son. And then it gave you uh, a Terminator that had lost its purpose entirely. And you uh, you know what? For all intents and purposes, with Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, I was more... I, I, I didn't think I was going to like it at first with him talking about the drapes and stuff like that. But you can... Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of seemed like a natural thing for this, for this thing to do. Like, it it's not going to kill itself or anything and they've already established that in all the other movies it can't self-terminate so it's going to go find something to do and that's going to be changing diapers and just kind of making someone else's life you know kind of happy which is yeah. terminating really business deals yeah yeah it was a really interesting take on it that we've never seen before and then when he when he had to he got pulled back in and did his terminator thing and everyone was happy right so there was a lot of good things going on with this movie and i'm just uh, really sad that there were two dare we say shit shows that came before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Genesis really, um, you know, your example, uh, exhibit a of somebody that just had had enough after seeing Genesis. Genesis is a, is a very bad movie. It's, it's up there on the top, probably top five worst movies I've ever seen. Well, you it's- know, when it, when uh, dark fate was about to come out, I thought, okay, well, maybe I should go back and try to watch the last one in case it had any bearing. And I got a quarter way into the movie and I couldn't maintain enough attention span to force myself through the, through the remaining hour and a bit. I just, I timed right out. And that, that's something I never do on a movie. Like if I have to, I'll sit there and go through emails while the movie plays. I couldn't even do that. I uh, (laughs) was forced to shut it off. Terrible. Um, I I loved all your points, Ryan, about dark fate. Uh, it, It, I, I liked Danny's character, Grace's character. Um, you know, I talk about in the book how how much of a, a better job they do at developing Grace and 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 her transformation from everyday person to to hero, much better than they did with John Connor in in Rise of the Machines or Salvation. Uh, there, there's there's there, the, the characters are static in in Rise of the Machines and. And salvation and, and genesis they that there's a, an arc in, to the characters in the good terminator movies and we saw that arc again with uh with really all the characters in in dark fate danny goes from uh, again everyday person to uh a, a hero like sarah connor did in the original sarah connor does a a reverse arc where she goes from uh, a terrorist uh, a a uh Terminator-like uh, person back. She finds her humanity again, and and you see the change that the Terminator has undergone, um, going from in the first scene a killing machine to a human being, back to a a uh, human protector like uh, like Arnold's character was in in Judgment Day. So uh, there was a lot to like with the the character developments, and it was great to see Linda Hamilton back. I, I, everybody has always said, you know, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger series. Well, the three best movies in the series all had Linda Hamilton. So I think Linda Hamilton really cemented herself as a key component to this series in Dark Fate. Um, 
with with her performance and what and what she was able to bring the life she was able to breathe back into the series in Dark Fate. So Dave, though, just to get this straight, you're saying that the movies that we don't like in the in this in this uh, in this genre in this series are the ones where they don't use proper storytelling techniques. I would say <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. <laughs> no, I. Uh... You, you really, you really nailed it here, Dave. Uh, I, I just, I just can't, I, I can't talk your book up enough. There's some really good points in here, and it really, it really gave me a, an eye opener. I wasn't even going to watch this movie, and and your book convinced me to do it. And I'm glad I did. It, it had some good stuff. Uh, some of the, some of the points that you mentioned. Tim is the time travel guy. He's, he's the, I'm, he, he is. Uh, wouldn't is, is that fair to say, Tim, that you're the time travel? Well, I, definitely, you and I. I definitely absorb a lot of time travel stories. Yes. Yeah. I, I know this about you and you love the time travel <laughs> stuff. And, and I, I think I'm, I'm like a layman for travel, for time travel and plot points. I, I, I tend to avoid it for the more uh, pedestrian kind of uh, kick in the nuts kind of stuff. But uh, would you say, would you say in your time travel expert opinion that they handled the time travel and or uh, multiple reality thing well in this? For sure the first two kind of wrap themselves up and that's why that should have just been it because mm-hmm. the time travel, it closed the loop. That should have been it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where number three didn't work is because time travel rules got broken there for sure. Yeah. Uh, that was why I really enjoyed the, uh, the Terminator television series because they eliminated the need for the time travel to be a problem. Just the way the plot worked in that movie, it seemed like they were, they were, there was enough exceptions that you could get away with the paradoxes. I didn't really find any problems in this last one, except for how did the Terminator know when uh, time travel was occurring so that he could, you know, we don't want to give too much spoiler there, I guess, but that one well, plot see, point there. This is the problem. Like we, you, you time travel guys, I got to tell you, like you got, you got a whole different head around because I was watching this stuff and I I'm, I'm like, I'm watching this stuff. And whenever you do the time travel thing, I'm always, I always feel like a lunkhead. So if you can, if you can do a time travel movie where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm buying this. This is good. And, and you don't, you don't get that super convoluted plot and you can kind of break it out for a guy like me to follow. I'm, I'm all hundred percent on board because it means that you've done your story well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that everyone else is going to watch this movie too. Like, if I'm watching your time travel movie and I, I feel like I just, uh, I should go back to school and get a PhD in something cool. Uh, I, I, I really feel like you might've failed at uh, capturing that, that broad audience, but this, this movie did it in a way like I could, I can understand this. So the one thing that this, that I loved about this movie that drove me crazy about Terminator three. And this is why I'm saying that this one should be the, the Terminator three that we all deserve. Right. Was the, the, the thing that broke my heart about Terminator three was, was they just sweep, they just sweep Terminator two away with one line. And that's when he says that judgment day was inevitable. It's going to happen anyway. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it, man. It's going to happen. And all that stuff you did in the second movie that you loved. We just wanted to make third one. Yeah. That's just like saying that your car is going to crash, even though you didn't started it yet. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and, and this is the reason that I like this movie so much is that judgment day was averted, uh, in, in this timeline, but there's other stuff happening from different ones and that's going to more or less affect uh, what's happening now. And, and if you are pushing the date back further out and further out and further out, it's for a different reason. Now, just because you did this one thing doesn't mean that this other thing isn't going to happen. And this other thing isn't going to happen. And I thought that they handled that in a much more intelligent way than to just like wipe everything away with one hand and just go, yeah, you just, you just have to buy this because we made this movie. And that's what I felt Terminator three had. And that's what I felt that uh, dark fate had that was, that set itself apart and gave itself a little bit of meaning. I mean, it's, it's all fake. It's all baloney. Right. But if you tell me the baloney in a way that I can digest and buy and go, yeah, it makes sense. Then I'm going to, I'm going to buy that baloney all the time, but. (laughs) And maybe some mustard. I'll buy the mustard too. I'll buy some bread to put on that bologna and I might even cook it in a frying pan. But, uh, and, and that's what I'm doing right now. This, this podcast is a frying pan that we're cooking the bologna in and uh, we're all the mustard. This is the weirdest analogy I've ever made, made in my life. <laughs> I'm just going to stop right now. But uh, I, yeah, that, that's the thing. And, and you touch on that, that, that line in your book too, Dave, which I really appreciated is, is that that's kind of what cheapened that, that, that Terminator three for, I think 
uh, a whole bunch of people that love the first two movies is, is there was a, I don't know if there's a creative way of getting your, your hands into that stuff and extending the life of the franchise. And we all get that it's a business, but I don't know. I, I, I think the audience is more intelligent and especially the Terminator audience is more intelligent than what we were getting. And it's really unfortunate that uh, dark fate was met with the dark fate that it got met with. Yeah. I, I went and saw it shortly after it came out in theaters. So, and that, that was one of the questions I had for you, Dave, what you thought of, uh, of the crowd that I saw at the theater. So I went in there, it was nearly empty. It was on a Tuesday, which is cheap night. So that's usually a packed night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the crowd was all older than me, except for two people. Now I'm in my fifties. So to walk into a movie theater where I'm one of the youngest people is ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, what are your, what are your takes on the audience that showed up? Um, I don't know if it would have been the same everywhere, but I kind of think it might've been because the numbers were low. They were very low. Um, I had a similar experience. I didn't necessarily notice the age of the people that were in the, the uh, movie theater that I was in, but it was very empty. I think I also went on a Tuesday though, a Tuesday afternoon, maybe four o'clock. Um, and uh, there, but it was maybe the first week. It wasn't the, you know, I think it was the first week, you know, the, it was the first right week after, when I went too. right after the first weekend, the Tuesday. And, um, there were very few people there. I, I went to see it again because I kind of decided I was going to write this book. So I wanted to see it in theaters a second time. Plus I liked it. So I wanted to see it again. And um, again, the, well, this was well after it came out, maybe two months after it came out that um, I went to see it again and it was empty again. So um, real, a real shame that it, it seemed like the, the crowd didn't want to give it a chance because it, it wasn't like, they, a lot of people showed up the first weekend, didn't like it, and then they saw a drop-off in attendance. There really wasn't a huge group of people going to see it the first weekend. The, the, they were well below what they were projecting for the first weekend. And I guess we could probably, I'm not a marketing expert, but I did kind of wonder after seeing the film fail, the previous Terminator movies were all summer blockbusters, except I guess probably the first one. I think the first one was in the fall, mm -hmm. but the other ones were you know, summer action movie blockbuster. And that's, that's what Terminator is. So to see it come out on Halloween weekend kind of, kind of seemed odd to me. Cause if you're going to see a movie Halloween weekend, you're probably going with the family and you're not going to see a rated R Terminator movie. Unless you got your, your baby, it's four years old and, and you're by yourself. And you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the release schedule plays, there's a, there's so many factors that played kind of a, uh, played into it, it it's less than less than stellar performance but uh release schedules definitely a big one of them uh, i mean it is a familiar franchise you know what you and you talking tim i uh when you were talking about the like the the, the makeup of your audience uh you just kind of took me back to when i was in a movie theater watching a different movie and it and it was a can't remember what movie I was watching, but a preview for Terminator Salvation had come on. This was 2008 or something. And um, someone next to me, uh, who was probably about 10 years younger than me at the time, was like, oh man, uh, that looks kind of cool. Uh, should I see all the other Terminator movies before I see that one? <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to say to this person, I was like, you, yes, yes, you need to see these movies. And he's like, but they're old. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I just wanted to cry right there, right? So I don't know if that plays a part in it. It certainly does uh, to that to that person for sure. And it just broke my heart. It just broke my heart that this this person wouldn't go back and watch two almost perfect movies because they, you know, someone had poofy hair and they all drove weird cars with wood on the side. <laughs> yeah. But but it is it is a challenge because things have changed. The way things are filmed has changed. Terminator is probably not as bad as some things, but imagine going back and watching uh, the $6 million man. I don't know if you tried that, but I have, and it is just brutal. I watched it when I was a little boy. So now it is, it is, uh, it's laughable, right? Mm -hmm. Now every generation, um, they're going to have a harder and harder time going back to see the old stuff because the special effects are different. The, just the timing, the way the, the way the filming is done. It's uh, the modern uh, 
filmology is quite different and it's designed to grab and hold your attention. Whereas the older stuff, it's not like that. So they're used to something entirely different. They maybe can't watch it the same way we did. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's certainly that. And, and, uh, and there's a glut of stuff out there now where there wasn't before. It was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of stuff. Um, I remember saying this to my kids, uh, like, like, uh, you know, the old man talk. And I say to my kids, like right now they have pretty much any movie available to them that they want. Any TV show that's ever been recorded in history is available to them at their, at their beck and call. Right. Whereas we had to wait for this stuff to come on. I mean, uh, you know, me being a Terminator fan when I was a kid, there was a movie channel that we had. And if that, if the Terminator movie wasn't on that movie channel, I just didn't get to watch it for years and years and years. And, and it sucked. Like sometimes I remember when I was a kid just going, man, I just really want to watch Terminator right now, but I don't have a VCR and it's not on TV. Well, shit, what do I do? <laughs> and, and, and that was the you rent a VCR. Like, you save well, up your money and you rent a VCR. Cause that's yeah, what I did. That's, <laughs> you, uh, you were more industrious than me. I didn't have these kind of uh, monies that you speak of. Talk but, about uh, convincing your parents to go to the store and rent a VCR with you. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a hard sell sometimes. It, it was, and it was usually something that my youngest brother could watch, which usually meant Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm. They were okay with that, but and I was okay. I'm okay with that too. But uh, but but it does like it, Dave. It plays into what you're talking about. One of the themes in your book, without without get, giving away too much, is that is that technology is changing us, and and uh, some ways it is good, but in other ways it it's shooting right past us at such a speed that people aren't taking the time to stop and think about what it's doing to just their anything. Right. And, and, right. and that, yeah. and the, the threads and the cautions that make Terminator such a driving force and why everyone loves it so much is one of these things. And I think it's without even thinking about it, without like, without even thinking about it, we could go back to your chapter one in your book here and, and, and me reading this now that you've written it in 2020, when the movie came out in 1984, it's been out all that time. And that's probably one of the things that resonated with me so much is that message. Uh, and I hadn't even noticed it or realized it until now. Uh, and it might just be a subconscious thing. I'm trying to make myself sound a lot smarter than my am I am for having missed this for 30 some years, but uh, you, you really, you really nailed it, man. I got to tell you, like, uh, I'm really happy with your book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's funny you bring up the technology, the modern technology, of course, that, Terminator is trying to show the distractions that they have, but there's also, I think, getting to your um, point about, you know, a younger generation having problems with watching an older movie. I saw a tweet yesterday. Um, I was going through just people tweeting about Terminator, trying to reach out to people and uh, generating interest for the book. And um, I, I found this person tweeting during, while watching the first Terminator. And he, and he put all these pictures of things that he had to explain to his kid what they were. It was like a phone book. Had to explain what that was. Uh, a pay phone. He didn't know what that was. A pager. Um, you know, why are the cars so long? And, and little things like that, that um, I am a huge Seinfeld fan. But how many Seinfeld episodes, episodes are there where the premise of the, of the episode is they can't get a hold of each other because they don't have phones. And it's yep. just, it's, it's, I remember when there were no cell phones, so it still resonates to me and I think it's hilarious, but it is interesting to think about someone that is even five years younger than me or, you know, 20, when, when somebody who's 20 years younger than me is, starts watching Seinfeld, it's not going to mean as much to them because they're in a restaurant and you're like, well, why don't they just text each other that they're at a different restaurant than they were planning to be or that they're going to be late. Or, you know, it's, 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 a, it, it, it's no fault to the film, but I guess it's, it's dated in that way. All things are from a certain period. You, you know, you just gave me a great idea for a game show that we could have uh, in just a couple of years from now. We could call it Survivor 2022, city version. You take a bunch of younger people into an area that they don't, are unfamiliar with in the city, and you smash all their phones with a sledgehammer, and then you let them loose. <laughs> That would be a good show. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an interesting concept because they won't I mean, be able to, they won't be able to buy anything. All their all the money will be in their phone. Be crazy. <laughs> Do most people uh, now have their credit cards saved in their phone? That's one thing I've not done. Uh, since since this pandemic started, you can't even use cash in my area of the world. You're not allowed to. 
can you use card? Uh, you can use cards, but they're all tap cards. Okay. And, and a lot of people use their Apple Pay. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've always said I'm, I'm 30 years older than I actually appear, but uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, uh, Apple Pay is, is a foreign language to me. I was forced to get tap on my card because of this, uh, this pandemic. So right. I, I actually used Apple Pay one time because there was a vending machine and I was really hungry and the vending machine took Apple Pay. And it didn't take, I didn't have any money. So I loaded the Apple pay on my phone and loaded my credit card onto my phone like a dummy. And then I went up <laughs> and I got my bag of chips or whatever with the Apple pay. And I just was like, dude, you just, you just sold your soul into that machine, man. You just did it <laughs> for that bag of chips. Yep. You're, you're on the Terminator side now. That's right. You know, well, these, the, these things, uh, I don't know. This movie is like, I can't tell you like this, this is one of those movies that's always stayed with me. I've always had a love for it. And, and, and again, this is one of the reasons why is anytime you do some sort of interaction with a non-human entity that you need in your life, I just think of Skynet. Actually my, my wireless network at my house is always named Skynet. It's been that way (laughs) since there was wireless internet invented and it will never, it will never change ever. Uh, And I, and I put that there as a constant reminder to myself that I am communicating with a machine it's, it's, it, I, I hate to sound like a paranoid guy, but this is the, the reality that we're dealing with is that these things are taking certain bits of information from you and these machines, this collective machine is kind of learning uh, through algorithms and stuff, what people like, what people want to buy, what people, you know, uh, who people want to see, who people contact the most, what things make you happy, what things make you sad, what things, you know, these things are all being written into this stuff. And it just, it can't help but take me right back. I mean, as, as much as the other stuff has been around there, uh, you know, the matrix and some of these other post-apocalyptic man versus machine sort of things, the one that it always comes back to is Terminator and Skynet. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. just so effective in, in, in showing us what, uh, a relationship with machines on that level could be right. Yeah. The future is coming to get you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's, there's certain things to be optimistic about like, uh, and, and that's one of the things that I always kind of remind myself of. And uh, I, I remember working with this one guy and he was like, just deriding uh, the internet. He was just crapping all over it saying it was the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. And I, I, I happened to be like, well, I guess, if all you use it for is porn. But I mean, if you really want to know uh, pretty much anything, you're walking around with the entirety of human knowledge in your pocket at any given time. So whatever you do with it is what, is what I guess you're going to, is how you choose to interface with it. So maybe you should start using it for something that's worth your time instead of something that's not, and you'd feel differently about it. But that's kind of like the reality that we're dealing with is some of these things uh, you know, things are going to change and, and, and I'm trying, people try to accept these things, but some things are, you wonder if it's for good or for, for not. And for right now, it's the people that are behind it that are making it bad or good or otherwise. Right. And, and it's not the fault of the machine. I don't know. This is getting deep guys. Everything in moderation, right? Yeah. That's, that's um, the, that's the, uh, that's the key to it. Right. And, just being be, being aware too. I find that there's lots of people that put their trust in in some of these things without realizing what they're buying into, right? And and there's a lot of that too because it's convenience. Like I mean, we're creatures of convenience. We like to have these things be done for us, and we like to not know where they come from, and we like to just think, well, this is going to happen this way now. And you don't really think about what the consequences of you know putting your credit card in the internet is, or putting your your address into a site sometimes are and. I don't know if you've ever been, I buy stuff online all the time and I've had my credit card defrauded a couple of times. And for the life of me, I don't know how people get that information, but they do. And, and yeah. when, when they do, it sucks because you're in the grocery store and you've got a whole whack of stuff. And then you realize that you're, Hey, you're short to a whole whack of money out of your bank account or something like that. And you realize it then. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of scary, but I don't know. Terminator. It always comes back to Terminator for me. <laughs> it does. And, I, I, that's the other question that, that the thing I was really wondering about when Dark Fate didn't do well, it was, are, is the younger generation not relate, is this not relatable to the, the younger generation anymore because they don't care that technology has taken over their life, that they enjoy it, they like it. Well, uh, I don't, I don't think that they really have the same fear of nuclear war. How could they? And that's that, that as well. And they, they don't have that, um, part 
uh, if they can't relate to that part of the series, then I think that's a, a big hole as well. Cause the end of the world 30 years ago really could, could have happened. So um, seeing a movie about the end of the world was relatable, whereas it's not as much anymore. I mean, I know there's lots of things end of the world, like walking dead and, and um, lots of zombie apocalypse and apocalyptic stuff is, is popular still, but um the nuclear war part of it, I, I wondered, is that outdated? Is the younger generation not connecting to that? And that's the, the counter argument I would make to that argument is we're, we can be okay with the internet taking over um, or, you know, machines being a, being a bigger part of our life. Nothing's going to stop that, but you do have to use it for good and use it in moderation. Don't be on it all the time. Don't let it be a distraction when you have um, a relationship with a real human being in front of you uh, at that at that moment. And that's where I think Terminator will be timeless and, and resonate forever, really, because um, it has this idea of when, when technology gets into the wrong hands, right, that's when it's dangerous. Well, and right now we, we do have a problem where I feel that people are multitasking way too much, uh, mostly using their phones or their iPads while they're doing all the other things. Uh, how many people are eating while sitting there on their phone, for instance. Mm-hmm. And you Short might have attention spans. Exactly. Well, you, you split your attention in a whole bunch of different areas and then basically you're doing each thing half as well right. or less. Mm-hmm. And that includes watching movies or eating or talking to somebody or driving. Driving is one of the worst ones, of course. And everybody <laughs> yeah. says that they don't do it, but almost everybody does it. Everybody's got a phone and somebody will text and you got to look. The only way you can avoid it is to actually physically make it so you can't look. And, you know, most people don't do that. So, so there you go. It's uh, multitasking is a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And talking about driving a car, I mean, there's so many distractions today with, with driving a car. I mean, changing the radio station can be a distraction, putting the volume up higher. Uh, so um, that, I guess that, that can be an excuse for, well, checking my phone is the same as changing the radio station. And that's where it gets very dangerous because where, where it's a slippery slope from that point. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, you're watching a movie while you're driving. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, there was a, there was a case where I, uh, there's a, I think there was a documentary about a guy who, who was fatally, he had a fatal accident in a, in a Tesla because he put a whole bunch of trust in, uh, it's auto detect systems and it's auto drive systems or whatever. He was watching a Harry Potter movie and the car didn't recognize a semi trailer out mm-hmm. in front of him and took him right underneath the bottom of the semi trailer. And he died wow. uh, watching order of the Phoenix or whatever. So uh, it's just kind of, again, one of those situations, like he, he got so used to that vehicle uh, responding to regular things. And there was one thing that came up that it hadn't had to deal with yet. And that was a, a, a semi truck in the middle of the road. It didn't know how to handle that situation, hadn't been programmed for it. And he, he paid the price. Right. But while he was doing it, he wasn't, he was so trusted in that in, in both those machines, his movie, his, his car, everything like that, that he just never saw the, the risk coming his way. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting concept. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of these things I think we're going to, uh, as, as the kind of the world moves on, I had a conversation the other night too about uh, drones. Like um, they've, I know they have plans on working out, uh, you know, we're sitting here in these times of, uh, of quarantine and lockdown and stuff like this. And I don't know how much you guys are doing, but a lot of stuff that I'm getting, uh, you know, we had a run on toilet paper. So uh, the only place that we could do it, we I went on Amazon and I was like, well, I guess we're going to just, throw our name in the hat for some toilet paper on Amazon and we'll, we'll get it when it gets here, you know, and a month later, sure enough, the, uh, the toilet paper showed up at my house in a big box all boxed up and a guy drove it here and he put it here. And my wife and I were talking the other day about how that's eventually going to come to an end and they're going to have, you know, machines delivering these things and it's drones, right? And the drones are going to be flying around. They're going to have to have rules for the drones and what if the drones crash or what if the drones run out of batteries or whatever. And this stuff like this is going to wind up happening too, Right. Uh, it's, it's kind of in the cards for us. So we'll see, we'll see how it all goes. It's, uh, we're going to get our stuff faster. We're going to get our stuff quicker, cheaper, uh, less packaging, all the, all the good stuff that we, that we want as, as people, but it comes with a, with, with a price, right? And some of that stuff is going to be, you know, human price. The guy is going to be out of a job because the drone's doing it. And, and another thing could be someone gets injured by one of them falling or, 
or one of them malfunctioning or something like that. Another one's privacy is people don't think about privacy nearly as much as they did when I was a kid. Like if you would have told me that uh, when I was younger, that everyone would have a device in their house that was listening to them all the time and figuring out what kind of stuff they liked and or giving portions of their, uh, of their daily life to a company or the government, I would have told you that you were absolutely out of your mind. No one would ever allow that in their house. But here we sit in the year 2020 and my mom and dad have a machine listening to them whenever I walk in their house and it creeps me out every time. It just creeps me out. But uh, I, I get I get why people love them. Like, I mean, they play the songs, they, you know, they buy you the stuff when you want it. And it, it, it is kind of cool. But I just there's a trade off for that. And I don't think a whole lot of people are cognizant of that stuff. And when I look at when I look at that little machine sitting in my mom and dad's house, that's just got that little light. And I know it's listening all the time. I just my brain immediately goes back to Skynet. So on that note, <laughs> what's next, Dave? Um, I'm de- working on a, uh, my next book. I'm going to go fiction route this time. Um, I forget if I mentioned this the last time you guys had me on and asked me what was next. Uh, um, writing the World War II fiction story. It's loosely based on my grandfather and the, his two brothers that served in, uh, uh, there in France in, after D-Day, June 1944. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not really, you know, taking a lot of time off going right into doing that. I've already started writing that. That sounds pretty interesting. Well, so, Dave, I don't know if you could tell or not, but uh, anything you, this, what, your last book has really sparked my imagination. So I'm going to be devouring whatever you, whatever you have next. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I really appreciate the support, guys. And um, I'm hoping that's out um august september i was hoping to have that book out before my wedding in uh the first weekend of august but um just a couple days ago the wedding has been postponed because of the coronavirus so um i don't know if it'll if the book even without the wedding plans and everything will be out before august 8th but hopefully before you know football season and hopefully there is football season so uh uh, look, you, you guys can look out for, for that fiction story uh, late summer, I would say. Well, there is a lot of unknowns here this year, but we'll uh, definitely keep that, keep that on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so, so your book right now is called The Rise and Fall of Terminator, Will It Be Back? And I'm looking at it here on the Canadian Amazon store. I imagine it's, it's uh, available worldwide, correct? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Paperback and Kindle edition. Yep. Um, don't have the hardcover yet. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but I plan to uh, publish that at some point this summer uh, in, in hardback. Uh, if, if listeners would like a signed paperback, I have copies here at my house. I can uh, sign one, mail it to them. I'm trying to develop a more streamlined way of receiving payment from people um, so they can just kind of put in a credit card, you know, like you purchase on Amazon and, and the, and the credit card payment would go straight to me. I just haven't found a way to do that yet. I think I got to make a website and then put the payment info on that website. That's one of my projects I have on my list. But if you want a signed copy, you can uh, send me payment through PayPal, through Venmo. I have Cash App. Um, and right now I'm offering, if you buy the Terminator book with the James Bond book, the James Bond will be half off. And I'll mail them both in the same package and then you only pay for shipping once and i'll sign both copies okay are we allowed to uh, give out your email address here yeah sure um yeah that's probably the best way for people that are interested in the in a signed copy to reach me you can also follow me on twitter or message me there at dm holcomb um but i'm always checking my email so that's that's probably the best way to contact me especially you know overseas where texting or phone calling doesn't work <laughs> and internationally. And that's H-O-L-C-O-M-B-M-D-A-V-I-D at gmail.com, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. My last name, middle initial, first name at Gmail. Well, I'm definitely going to be wanting a signed edition of this last book. Great. So I'll, I will be uh, making sure I follow up with you on that. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I'll, I'll get it to you faster than I got you the last one. <laughs> it takes forever to get them up here in Canada for whatever reason. It takes a minimum of three weeks. So yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, I'm gl so glad that you guys liked the book. Um, I was a little, um, you know, nervous about it because, you know, it's, as we talked about, Dark Fate did so poorly at the box office. I kind of wondered, well, is there anybody going to want to read about why it didn't do well at the box office? People just seem to be tuning out Terminator at this point. And, um, you know, I can't say that I have a huge audience yet, but I, I really have enjoyed hearing positive feedback from, from people like you guys. And it, it, made, it makes it worthwhile um, writing the book. And I, I wrote it, you know, because I enjoy the topic, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm able to talk about it with other people like you guys and, and that you uh, have enjoyed it as well. Well, thanks for writing it, Dave. It, it really is worth, uh, it really is worth people's time. So uh, we couldn't, I couldn't give it the highest recommendation, a higher recommendation. I just really, it sparked my imagination. It made me think about the things I love, the things I didn't love and some things in between and, and kind of gives you a wonder where it's going. And I think you really, you really uh, did your homework. You did, you, you did a lot of, uh, thinking about it and it just really came out on the page yeah thanks ryan i don't know we, we wish you all the best dave we hope you're safe and uh and do all right down there and and that everyone around you does too thanks a lot guys yeah you're very welcome yeah yeah thanks for coming on 